Good morning, everyone. Today is, what is the date today? The 5th. The 5th. But today is Palm Sunday. It is the first day of what is called the Passion Week. And in this first day of the Passion Week, one thing let me mention about that, because they talk about it being the last week of Jesus' ministry here on earth, but, but that isn't quite true, because after he rose from the grave, he spent 40 days uh, with the disciples after that. But, but today marks what is known as the triumphal entry. And we're going to talk about that just, just briefly um, how it really corresponds to what is going on with the bride right now. But uh, before we start, let's open in prayer and just recognize what today represents and what today means. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your precious Son. We thank you for his love for us, for his sacrifice for us. That when he walked into Jerusalem that day, that day that's called the triumphal entry, that day that they laid the palm branches down before him, recognizing him as king, that day he knew what would be going on just a few days later. He understood what he was there for. He understood that he was fighting a very different enemy. Israel thought that he would be there to fight the Romans, to fight the oppression that they were under. When Jesus understood that he was there to fight death, the very culmination of what we deserve because of sin, that's what he was there for. And part of his bitter weeping later was because Israel did not recognize the day for what it was. Father, help us to recognize the day for what it is. We worship you. I pray that you fill my mouth with your words. None of my own, Father. I pray that you speak to hearts, that you send your Holy Spirit to those who would receive these words. Speak to their hearts and prepare their hearts, Father, to hear from you. We lay all this in your hands. We publicly declare our love for you for your precious Son, and for the Comforter that was sent. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. So as I said, this day represents a day in history when Jesus entered Jerusalem for the first time, we, or for the, at the beginning of this week called Passion Week, he entered Jerusalem with the triumphal entry. All of 
Israel thought of him coming as a conqueror. But I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19. And I'm just going to begin at verse 38. Actually, let's start at 37. As he was drawing near, again, this is Luke chapter 19, we'll we'll begin at verse 37. As he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And then the next couple of verses, being some of the saddest in the word of God. Verse 41, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. He is talking to Israel. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. What the Lord keeps putting on my heart is that same question for the bride. That same question for those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're listening to the videos at all, you know that this is what we talk about just about every day. To know the times, to understand what the Lord is trying to speak to us, to show us. But will we recognize those times? As his bride, will we recognize what he is doing? Or will we sit back in complacency saying that our entire lives he has never done that before? So are we just going to assume that he will never do it again or in our lifetime? When I was praying to the Lord this morning and spending time with him, after after a very difficult week, I was asking, Lord, what is it that you want for your children? What is it that you want for your ready bride this morning? And he took me to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to read it. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll begin at verse 1. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. 
Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He took me to this passage for a reason. And I want to go through a couple things in it. But that reason is because what he is doing now is a foreshadowing of what we see him wanting to do with Israel. And this is so important to get this. This is so important to get this because, see, there's a lot going on right now, especially on the Internet. We're all sequestered to our homes, and we don't have the the capability of coming together and, and building each other up in Physical ways, and, and one of the things I miss the most, I said on, on prayer, I think yesterday, the, the worship together. Right? I miss the worship together. We don't have the capability of coming together right now to do that. That builds us up. That builds us up, but we don't have that capability to do that. So we have to understand the times in which we're in. If we don't, we place ourselves in a position to be vulnerable to fear. See, if you know what God's doing, if you're intimate with Him and you have relationship with Him and you know what He is doing, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. But be aware of the times. We've talked about this many times about a foreshadowing effect in the Word of God. What I mean by that is that prophecy to the rabbinical mind is circular. It means it does not just have to happen once. It can be a pattern. It also doesn't mean that it's going to happen over and over and over again. I'm not saying that in the rabbinical mind we're going to go through tribulation, that seven-year period, like over and over and over again. That's not, that's not what they believed. That's not what they were saying. Those who wrote the Word of God, those who transcribed it from God's own words, know it's the idea that prophecy is not a beginning and end. It is not a spoken word and then fulfillment and it's done. They left it open to pattern, left it open to be able to be repeated, if you will, because God may use it that way. Now, I find it interesting that they did that. Because, see, they didn't know what we know now. They didn't know even the fullness of what we know now. Paul, which we'll go to in a minute, Paul revealed the mystery that was hidden in the Old Testament, he said. That was the mystery of the church. That was the mystery of the bride when we called when we talk about the bride. It was a big mystery in the Old Testament. 
It was something that they didn't know. And yet, they allowed for the possibility in their speech, in their understanding of prophecy, for there to be cycles of it. And the reason why the Lord has laid this on my heart was, was this, this first verse in chapter 40. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to them. Cry to them that their warfare is ended. What is going on right now in the world is not warfare against the bride. That's very important to understand. This is not warfare against the bride. This is warfare for the bride. For the readying of the bride. To come alongside the bride and bring the bride to where she needs to be. And I, I hear this a lot. Especially on social media. Because we're sequestered and everything else, people are connecting through social media. And what you're hearing a lot and I'm getting a lot of questions about is, are we entering the tribulation? Are we in the end days? Are we in those times that the Bible talks about where we will see the Antichrist? And it's important to understand the times we're in. Because what we're in right now is a foreshadowing of many of those things. I'm not saying you won't see an Antichrist, because Jesus said even back when he was with his disciples, you will see many. There will be Antichrists that rise up all the time. Why? Why do they rise up? First of all, there are some that will be for their own gain, but when Satan rises one up, it's because he sees an opportunity. See, Satan doesn't know everything that's going to happen. Just like Satan didn't know that the very death of Jesus Christ on the cross would defeat death. If he knew it, he never would have killed him. He never would have gone after him. He didn't know. That was the biggest ruse in the Old Testament. It was kept hidden. It was kept hidden by God, by the Father. It was kept hidden by him. So Satan would have no clue. All that was revealed was Jesus would be the one who would be the Messiah. Satan knew who to go after. Satan knew that there was a Messiah coming. He knew when that Messiah would come, just as all of Israel should have known. Because Daniel predicted it, prophesied it down to the very day. I'm not going to go through that math here with you, but look back in our podcasts. I, I did it one Sunday. I can't remember when it was. Very interesting study. Daniel projected in the 70 weeks, 69 of those weeks led up to the revealing of the Messiah. And if you take the day that he said that projection would start, to the very day Jesus walked in 
to Jerusalem, that triumphal entry that we just read about, was the exact number of days. See, Israel should have known. They should have known. That's why Jesus said, you should have known, but you didn't. He wants his bride to know what's going on right now. This is not the tribulation period that we are beginning. This is not the rise of the Antichrist that we are beginning. When we talk about the man of lawlessness that, that it says in, in Thessalonians, we're not in those times yet. They are coming. They will come. We are not there yet. That isn't to say an Antichrist won't arise. Because Satan will continue to try and do what he can do. But that's not what's happening right now. But there are foreshadowings of things happening. And, and he wants us to know, because he wants us to know that he is fighting for his bride even right now. Even right now in this time of testing. In this difficulty. He is fighting for that bride to become ready. He said back in Isaiah chapter 3, he said in verse 3, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then he goes into this great plan of equalization. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. Uneven ground shall be made level. And the rough places a plain. And through this, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. All flesh will see it together. Man, I highlighted the entire chapter in my Bible, but I really highlighted doubly <laughs> that all flesh shall see it together. That is not... That is literal. That is not figurative. Amen. What is coming, first of all, the, the mountains being laid low, the valleys being brought up, what it's talking about, it's not talking about a leveling of the earth. It's not talking about the physicality of that. It's talking about the equalization of what has not been equal. See, it has not been equal on this earth. The warfare between the bride and Satan's armies, it has not been equal. For years and years, centuries upon centuries, Satan has had an upper hand in so many ways. But there became a process put into place that started to make the mountains come down. And the valleys be lifted up. I'm not going to get into that process. That process is the court process. The court of nations which we've talked about many times. Literally stripping the enemy of his authority. Causing him to loosen his grasp. This has been part and you're going to see the effects of it. You may not recognize the effects of it yet. Perhaps the ready bride does. Some may not see the effects of it yet, but you will. You're going to. 
Because that's what he's doing. And then he promises the glory of the Lord, what the Lord is going to show that is from him, will be seen by all flesh. Will be seen by everybody. Is this talking about his second coming? No, it's not. It's talking about the very result of his judgment. That you will see that it is God. It is none other. It is not man-made. It is not made by the enemy. It is not made by some antichrist that can do this because the only one who can do it is the Lord God Almighty. And He is the one that is doing this. We talk about the mystery of the church. This was hidden in the Old Testament. It was hidden to those who understood God through the law. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. This is where Paul begins to express about this mystery. And we're going to read beginning at first verse 1. But I want to point out a few things in here. But I want to get I want you to understand the mystery that Jesus Revealed through Paul. Verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles. He's not talking to Israel. He's talking to Gentiles. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me, Paul, by revelation. As I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now understand, we're going to keep reading, but understand right there, this mystery is not just about your salvation. This mystery is not just about the fact that a Gentile can go to heaven. Because guess what? A Gentile could go to heaven in the Old Testament too. They just had to convert and become a Jew. They can't do that through their lineage. They do that through their belief. And believe in a coming Messiah. That's how they got to go to heaven. That's how they became what we call today as saved. So it's not talking about just salvation. Verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things. To bring the plan of the mystery. Think about that. The plan of the mystery. The mystery isn't just, oh, now Gentiles get to come to heaven. No, there is a plan in place 
that Jesus has in this entity called his bride, the church. Those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. He has this plan for them to become ready to receive him as the groom. This plan for them to be what they need to be so he can come and take his bride home. There's a plan for that mystery hidden for all the ages in God. I love that. You don't think God hides things? There you go. Guess what? He hides things. Who created all things so that through the church, through the bride, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known, be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What does that mean? The manifold wisdom. You know what? I want to look up. Hold on. Look up that word. The word manifold means multifarious. It means marked with a great variety. Applies often to clothing or or painting, but a variety of colors. This manifold wisdom of God, a variety of His wisdom, an inclusive variety of His wisdom, not a single thought. See, He could have produced a single thought through His Word like He did. But what's He trying to do here? What, what He's saying is through the church... Through the bride, the manifold, the varied wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who are they? The rulers. The authorities in heavenly places are the very enemies of God. Now, by the way, it's not just the enemies that are finding these things out. It's also God's angels. He didn't tell them ahead of time either. This mystery was held for the purpose of them seeing his glory through his bride. And that's what he's doing right now. This was according to the eternal purpose, verse 11, that he is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask, do not lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. See, the mystery is that the church, the bride, will become ready, will become that beacon to this earth that Israel was supposed to be. See, Israel rejected the very moment of her calling. She didn't recognize it and she should have. So then there was this mystery that was put into place. 
this mystery is the bride becoming readied, going through the very same things that God wants to do with Israel and will do. But literally showing her the way. Showing her that this is what I wanted from the beginning for my children, Israel. See, in doing this with the bride, he is not forsaking his promises for Israel. No, he is just pulling out the special weapon. This mystery where he will show what he wanted to do to another group of children. And say, see, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted you to be my bride. I wanted you to be pure. I wanted you to be in love with me. So when I talk about foreshadowing, many things in the Word of God are being applied to the readying of the bride. I remember when this started, when, it, when I started to understand this about five years ago, one of the first books the Lord took me to was the book of Zechariah. And, and, and I'm reading it and I'm saying, well, okay, but Lord, I'm not Israel. We're not Israel. Your bride is not Israel. I mean, there might be some in there that are Jewish, but and that, that's when he started to teach me, no, this is a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing, and we see foreshadowings throughout the Word of God. We see foreshadowings in, in even types. We saw types of the Messiah, types of Jesus Christ before he ever came. We see that in Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. You can look at it and call it a type of Christ, or you could call it a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. We see Moses even as a type of what he is doing with his bride right now. See, what Jesus is doing with his bride is he is taking his bride and bringing freedom to his bride. That freedom will come through a series of testings, of judgments. And we're not going to talk about that today, but understand the relevance of foreshadowing or this cyclical prophecy. Because I don't want you to think that we are in the tribulation. That seven-year period. That's a very real period of time. It is coming. I mean, you could certainly say we're in the end times because if you were to look at the entire uh, existence of mankind, I believe is 7,000 years. From the moment Adam breathed until the end when then we have the great white throne judgment, I believe that to be 7,000 years. Right now, we're at 57, 80, 80, right? Almost 81. Something like that. <laughs> we're, we're just under 6,000. We know 1,000 years is taken out from Jesus' reign on earth, which is coming. That's real. That's literal. That's not figurative. It's real. 
He doesn't promise something and then say, oh, yeah, I didn't really mean that. I just was kind of talking. It's going to be like that. No, he will come in power. He will come when Israel finally calls out to him and says, come, we believe, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Come. And that can't just be individuals in Israel doing that. That has to be collectively Israel as a country saying, come, you are our Messiah, and he will come. And when he comes, he will defeat, that will be at the end of that seven-year tribulation period. He will defeat Satan. He will defeat the beast. He will defeat the Antichrist. The beast and the Antichrist will be thrown into the lake of of fire into the abyss. Satan will be bound for a thousand years, also thrown there. Then he will be loose for a period of time. And I'm not going to get into why or anything else. Understand that this is all about Israel. After the bride is taken up in the rapture, it is all about Israel at that point. For him to accomplish what he started through his chosen people. We are not now his chosen people. We didn't take Israel's place. We got to be grafted in. We got to be grafted into the promises. It's, it's almost like, you know, I couldn't do this with you because you're not seeing it. I'm going to bring in and adopt in a brother for you. I'm going to do it with him so you can see what I'm going to do. Isn't that Jacob and Esau? Isn't that Jacob and Esau? See, Esau, he was the one who had the birthright. He was the firstborn son. But he gave up that birthright. I mean, for something to eat. But he, it wasn't just because the food was so good. It was because he didn't hold value to that birthright. He didn't hold value to that. And so then Jacob took that birthright from him. See, what the Lord is doing is making Israel jealous. Making Israel see that they're the ones that had the birthright. They're still the ones that have the birthright. Even though they may have given it away, the Lord loves them because they are his chosen people. And what he is going to do through the bride is to make them jealous. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 10. Because John, who wrote the book of Revelation, he comes in and he adds something very profound to what Paul said in Ephesians. And I'm just going to read, let's see. Let's start at verse 5. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, this is in the middle of the trumpet judgments, by the way. This is between the, the sixth and the seventh trumpet. Or you could call it also the second or third woe. 
And the angel whom I, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand, raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is is in it, that there would be no more delay. No more delay. Verse 7. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Verse 7 again. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Let's go down. Let's go down and read the seventh trumpet. Go down to chapter 11. We'll start at verse 15. So what he's saying here is, in this seventh trumpet... Now, now by the way, let me give you a clue in understanding Revelation. It's not linear. <laughs> okay? Parts of it are, but don't assume that, especially in this foreshadowing that we're talking about, don't assume that this always goes before this. It will make clear what that means. But don't get confused in the foreshadowing that, well, okay, wait, this is happening right now, so then that means it won't happen. No, don't, don't confuse the two, and that's the purpose for this morning. Let's down, go down to chapter 11, verse 15, and say this. We're going to read through the, the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become. Get this, guys. Get this. Because this applies to the bride right now. This applies to what God is doing right now. The kingdom of the world, this globe, this earth, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Has that happened yet? No, it is not. All you have to do is turn on the TV, and you figure out that it hasn't happened yet. All you have to do is go down the street and see, it has not happened yet. Why? Because the kingdom of God, when Jesus reigns in his kingdom, he will rule with a rod of iron, it says. What does that mean? It means he will rule with righteousness. He will rule with the righteousness of the Father. That means the things that you see in today's age would not be accepted in his kingdom. That seems pretty basic, right? If you were to go to this place called the kingdom of God, and you were to go in there, you know, you probably wouldn't find a strip joint. Right? Y'all with me on that? I'm being facetious. You, you get me, right? You wouldn't find these things in there. Why? Just because they're not allowed? That and because the hearts of the people would not want it. Would not want it. See, his kingdom's coming to a place where we want him more than we want our sin. We want him more than we want our control. The kingdom of the world, this globe, this earth, 
This nation, along with all the other nations, has become, this is the seventh trumpet, guys, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who represent in, in, John chapter, in Revelation chapter 4, they represent the church. The 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God saying this, We give thanks to you, Lord. Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. We have not seen this yet. We have not seen this yet. The nations raged. Okay, wait, we've seen that. <laughs> we've seen the nations rage. We've, they've been raging for decades. Off and on for centuries. We've seen the nations rage. And we've seen in America, and shame on us, we've seen in America over the last 40, 50 years, a degradation of God's plans for us. Taking prayer out of schools. Abortion being, being allowed federally. And, and oftentimes pushed. So many things that God lays out in His Word that are wrong. Gay marriage. Why is it wrong? Because God hates gay people? No. He loves them. If you love your children, you want them to see truth. And the truth is that they are living in sin and don't even recognize it. They don't recognize the difference. If they knew Jesus Christ and what He offered, and they knew intimacy, and I'm not talking about just salvation. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about intimacy with Him. If they understood what He offered in His purity, they wouldn't even care about that. None of us would. We wouldn't care about the strongholds that have been built in our lives. The nations raged, verse 18, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, both great, both small and great, and for the destroying, the destroyers of the earth. Who's that talking about? talking about what is being defeated in the courts. It's talking about the armies of the enemy. It's talking about Satan's cohorts and Satan himself. See, this is the seventh trumpet, guys. This is what's coming. This is what is being brought on by the very wrath of God. Don't assume when it says your great wrath that it is wrath against the bride. It is not. Just like all of the seven year tribulation period that will lead up to Israel and just Jesus coming again to take victory 
with Israel by his side, just like that is going to be full of wrath, full of God's judgment, it is not judgment against Israel. It is judgment against the world for Israel's sake. Just like that. What we are in, God's wrath, is a judgment against this world. It is also and will become a judgment against those who would use His name falsely. That is what we see of as the lukewarm. But it is through these judgments, it is through His wrath, that that His bride will become ready. Will be matchlessly in love with Him. What, What is a ready bride? A ready bride is one that will give anything else up except for what her husband wants. A ready bride is one that has a single focus. And that's the bridegroom. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake, heavy hail. See, this is a time that is unfolding before our very eyes this mystery. Why did it have to be a mystery? Because he couldn't let Satan know about it. He knew that Satan knew that the church played a role. Satan knew that because he was able to get Israel to reject. And he knows certain roles that the church would play. And he's fought against it because the church lifts up the name of Jesus, that, that is the bride, those who accept him as Savior. But what he doesn't know, or didn't, he's probably starting to learn now, but what he didn't know before was the fact that the bride would literally, through the bride, have God's plan, his full plan, that mystery that was hidden for all time, be revealed through his bride. So what we're going through now will foreshadow many of the judgments that you see. But it is not the tribulation. It is not judgment against the bride. The bride does not have to live in fear. The bride does not have to worry about what's coming. The bride doesn't have to worry about what's here. Because we can press into him and be the ready bride that we need to be. He is also raising up voices. You know, I want to read this. This just blew me away. And I wasn't going to do it, but the Lord just reminded me. Thank you, Lord. Many of you have probably already seen this, but Lana put out a prophecy this morning. And I'm just going to read it to you. 
Hey, who here? Right? We only have a few here, but has everybody seen this this morning, or who has? Okay, so just a few. Okay. I want to read this to you, though. It's an encouragement to the hidden ones. Over the past few weeks, I have had some of the deepest encounters with the Lord that I have ever had. And one of these encounters, I encountered the heart of the Lord for the hidden ones. Those who have been hidden in the secret place with the Lord, and the Lord has had them in a place of separation and consecration for a long time. They have been in a place of knowing and encountering the heart of God in deep, deep ways. And they have been trained and taught by the Holy Spirit. They are the ones who have been hidden with God, and they have not been known by man in great ways, but they are known by God. In an encounter I had with the Lord, I heard the Lord's voice so loudly over them, and he said, It is time to come out. It is time to come out. I began to see thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these hidden ones being called out of the caves of hiddenness all across the earth. What struck me was what was in their hands. They held lamps in their hands and they were full of oil and they were burning brightly. Matthew chapter 25. I heard the Lord again. Faithful ones. Faithful ones. The sense surrounded me so strongly of these ones that have been stewarding faithfully in the hidden place. They have been ministering to the Lord in deep ways. They have embraced the fire of His presence. They have been living in a deep, beautiful brokenness before the Lord and their offerings to the Lord so deep, so pure. They do not offer the Lord, that which has cost them nothing. Second Samuel 24, 24. There is the sound being released from the heart of the Father that is the call to position for the hidden ones. I heard the sound so loudly and these hidden ones were being called out of the caves and the hiddenness and they were hearing the sound of His trumpet going forth and they were taking their place and ready for what the Lord was about to do. The atmosphere surrounded me so heavy, was so heavy, in a glorious way of the faithfulness of these ones to the Lord and the purity of heart. As these ones came out with their lamps full of oil and lamps burning, they were fully awake. Their eyes and ears were burning with fire as if they were hearing what the Spirit was saying to the churches, Revelation 3.22. And they recognized the sound being released. They recognized the call upon them, and they recognized now was the time to take their position. I also noticed that they had clocks in one of their hands. And the Lord spoke, quote, They recognized the time and the season. From 1 Chronicles 12.32 I began to see these ones coming out of the caves and they began to form a line side by side and shoulder to shoulder with one another and they took their position with the army of God that was forming across the earth. These hidden ones joined the front lines of this army 
and I heard the words, spearhead. (laughs) The scene I was seeing reminded me of the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson, which I'll add here is just my favorite movie in the world. Love that movie. These were hidden warriors that were joining the front lines of the army of God to spearhead the next move of God upon the earth. It's not coming. It's happening now. And the army is forming right now. The hidden ones are being called out of the cave. They are coming from all different places all across the earth. And they are coming from unexpected places and are some of the most unexpected ones, not known by man, but known by God, to join with others called by the Lord to spearhead this move of God. I heard the Lord say, my church looks a lot different to what people expect, doesn't it? We are in the moment of the greatest reformation of the church that we have ever seen. The hidden ones are being called out of the caves to take their place amongst the procession. There is a reset and reshaping and rearranging God is doing right now, and the church is going to look a lot different coming out of this time of Selah. These hidden ones are joining the procession And what struck me that was so beautiful and also brought the urgency of the hour deep within me even more, it was the faithful that were spearheading the move of God in the earth. Those who have been hidden, those who have come out of hiddenness. But there was one similarity in both, their faithfulness to God, their humility They are friends of God with pure hearts. These are the ones who are going to recognize the hour we are in and respond to the alarm being sounded and spearhead this next move of God. Their lamps are full. They are overflowing with oil and they are ready. The church is about to look a whole lot different. Amen. See, the church is about to look a whole lot different. Are you going to recognize that look? Are you going to join that procession? See, it is for his ready bride to recognize the times that we're in. It's not a mystery because he is revealing it to his bride. Amos says that there is nothing he does that he does not tell his prophets ahead of time. You have a real problem if you don't believe God still speaks through his prophets. Because you will not see the times that we are in. You will miss that procession. Doesn't mean you miss your salvation. But you miss the very plan that God has for your life. 
He wants intimacy with you. He wants that purified walk in Him. He came, died on the cross, defeated death, defeated sin, so that we have a way of walking in purity. It's not just accepting Him as Savior. That will get you to heaven. That will save you from hellfire. But if you don't walk through the open door that He has to build relationship with Him, then you don't understand the times that we're in. Because it's only through that that a walk can become purified. That it can become intimate with our Savior, the Groom. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. And Lord, these times that we're in help people to see the truth of what you're doing. I speak against the enemy that would try to make them believe this is the tribulation. Because in that time, there is but little power. It is only judgment against the world. But we are not in that time. For you are raising up your bride in power. So that your bride will be readied. So that your bride will take positions in this globe. Not just this country, but in the world that will allow you, Jesus, to lead as king through your bride. You will do this and even more. You will show what it will look like when you rule this entire earth with your majesty. Father, we are here to say as that remnant we're stepping out of the caves. We will no longer let our voices be silent. We will rage with the fire that you have placed in our hearts that burns off that very oil that you have filled us with. I ask, Father, give the bride eyes to see. Give the bride ears to hear what you are doing. Bind the enemy's lies that would come against that. I release that in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. 
We stand in agreement on earth for your perfect will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.